Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Nature of Predators. If you are new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 26 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Soblin, Federation Fleet Command Date Standardized Human Time September 28, 2136 The humans' action in the past few days were a showcase of why I was right about them. It brought me relief to see such vindication. The dishonorable tactics persisted into our home system, sneaking their transports into orbit through diversions. The good old predatory ruse. These hunter bastards never changed. It baffled me why they didn't commence an orbital raid on the planet to soften up our populace. Then I realized that the arrogant apes thought they could just get people to come with them, willingly. The Terran-supposed rescued attempts targeted children, who were the most susceptible to suggestion. I'm sure they predicted the stampede casualties a ruthless invasion would cause. Every club I saw was the image of death, and humans baiting their livestock into submission with false kindness. The higher-ups wouldn't allow ships like mine to attack human positions, due to the fact that they overlapped with civilian dwellings. I didn't want any innocents to die, but I knew... It was a kindness to spare them from the predatory possession. This was our lone chance to regain control in a timely manner. The only way to get any terrified innocents out alive. We should have taken the shot before the predators got more entrenched. Who knows what brainwashing techniques they're employing on our people. Prime Minister Piri lost it with me the third time I pressed her with bombing scheme. She said the collateral damage was unacceptable and was livid at the proposal. My ship was reassigned to patrol route by our largest colony for an indefinite duration. Barring a secondary invasion, I was out of the game. When a message came from the Union government after several days of silence, I couldn't play it quick enough. I hope we're being recalled to the cradle. Perry's had us in timeout for long enough, I growled. Zahn closed his soundproof door to the briefing room behind us. It must be stressful, knowing they're on your own world. I knew humans were a conquering species, but it's another thing to see them in action. Why hasn't the fucking Federation come to our aid? Cowards must be scared to raise a claw in our defense, I sneered. They're just watching. It'll be them the humans come for next. Perhaps they think the predatory expansion will end with us. A foolhardy notion. Their kind always want more, the doctor said. My nose on. Shut. Let's see what the humans have done to the cities and children this time. No sense delaying. I cast the holopad message to the projector. Holographic footage of our Arxor raiding our homeworld flickered to life. My spines bristled. Explosions ravaged our planet, wiping out swaths of civilians in one fell swoop. Realization washed over me like a cold shower as the pieces began to fit into place. It was so obvious, of course. The predators were working together. The humans were the brains of the operation. They took out our defenses so that the red carpet was rolled out for the other sadistic monsters. It was a matter of divvying up the cattle and finishing off what was left of our people. My eyes narrowed in fury. I was so tired of seeing my world exploited by psychotic beasts who preyed upon the helpless. The amount of death I witnessed in my career was more than anyone should have to endure. 
Now, billions of souls were about to be whisked away by two freaks of the galaxy. Unless Gojid forces cheated death, the rock I called home was no more. Why was nature so uncaring and unfair? No matter how much I tried, there was never any way that I could make the predator's suffering match ours. Our existence was agony and terror, a living hell. They can't destroy our cradle, I spat. It's sacred. All those people gone. And for what? Zahn's eyes widened with sympathy. I am sorry, sir. If there's anything I can do, please let me know. Thank you, but I blinked away tears, watching an ox or bite into a child's arm. Humans got what they wanted. I'd like to watch the end of this. Moan. The acting first officer swished his tail and ambled out of the room. None of the Taken's warnings about the humans had done any good to prevent this calamity. We hadn't been smart enough or fast enough. This was the inevitable conclusion, wasn't it? Squinting at my holopad, Piri had attached a note to the video. I could almost hear the Prime Minister's crisp voice and see the sternness in her expression. It must have been her final action to pass this media montage to any active communication satellites. By the time you view this, I will already be dead. My bunker is on the brink of collapse, pelted by bomb after bomb. This message is being relayed to any high-ranking officers out of system. I hope it finds you in good health. There is no sense addressing the brave souls stationed here. Our fleet failed to restrain the inbound Arxol ships with catastrophic losses. We were preoccupied with the humans and taking them out any time they lingered near a cradle. The Terran ships burned into the fray as soon as we abandoned our position against their vector. There was a great confusion on who to fight. We figured they planned the scenario in cooperation with the Arxor. Then, the monkeys began attacking the greys and broadcasting warnings to the surface. We intercepted signal after signal. It could be staged chatter, but they seemed surprised. Perhaps it was just predatory treachery. Betraying an ally for the thrill. I could have been a dispute over the livestock hall. But this is the last footage I saw. I can't conjure a reason that such a sacrifice and tenderness would stem from aggression and cruelty. Those traits are polar opposites. What a marvelous ruse, if it is one. Please, send word to the Federation and relate the unspeakable losses of the Gojidi reunion. Beg their help, form your own opinions, and see what is done with the humans prisoners. A flash of movement snapped my eyes back to the video. Human soldier plowed into the feasting oxel, tackling it away from the child. The primate was missing his gun, but swung a knife at the reptilian with a vicious look. His inky pupils were dilated, and his neck veins bulged against his skin. He stepped between the gojin and the grey, shouting at the kid to run. What the feck? Why did he intervene? I thought. Maybe he had claimed the child of his own catch. Like Piri suggested. The Terran jabbed his blade into the Arxol's elongated nose. The great beast roared in agony and crunched through the human stomach with swift jaws. More mammalians rushed over to the kid, peppering the reptile with bullets. They carried the gojid so tenderly, shielding the youngling with their own bodies. Rescue was one thing, but it made no sense to die for their intended cattle. I gaped at the footage, staring in silence as the scene transitioned. A Terran fire team were surrounded by a score and fighting to the last. Many of the furless predators were wounded, and yet they propped themselves up 
and kept shooting. It was as though the drug was fueling them, these broken remnants managing to eviscerate an entire Arxor captured squad by the looks of the time-lapse. As soon as there was a moment of peace, a goaded child raced into the open and knelt by a human's corpse. He jabbed a claw into the predator's stomach, sobbing in hysterics. The kid showed such feeble emotions in front of those beasts, and their lips didn't even curve into a snarl. Two primates stooped to the ground and attempted to console him. A dangerous thought crept into my brain. What if the humans did actually care for the children? What would that say about them? They're capable of... their... Every part of me screamed for a refutation. I keeled over, clutching my temples in a desperate attempt to vanquish the thought. There was no logical way to override this narrative as propaganda. It was a transmission from my own government. No, 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 no. Dear predators, predators don't have feelings, I hissed. They took your home. They took your family. They took... I collapsed into a prone position, bawling. The more I considered it, the more I realized that all of my arguments circled back to humans being predators. To my trauma and to the planetary histories on claim to know like the back of its paw. Every sneaking doubt that I blocked out flowed through my mind. The Terrans rushed to tend to the civilians on our world, asking nothing in return. The way they prioritized the children was the same as any nurturing species. They only attacked military targets, both in our home's invasion and when striking the border outposts. The last remnants of a bombing run allowed a medical ship to pass, as soon as it was identified. Despite my beliefs, the bombers never so much as glanced at the colony. There was only the chatter we heard on the radio frequencies, expressing sympathy for what the Arxor had done. One pilot said he wanted to negotiate, but his counterpart's retort was that we despised them too much to listen. I wiped a tear off my cheek. Nobody but the Ven Lil ever tried to speak to humanity. I hate... hated them with all my heart. Crumbling to my conscious assault. I allowed the memories of that week to play in my mind, the delight bubbling in my chest as I drew screams from a helpless human. was as fresh as yesterday at the time. It made me exuberant. But now my sole wish was to undo the cruelty. Rissell was right when he said that I was behaving just like the Arxor. He was always the better of us. What kind of man enjoyed another creature's pain? That wasn't the behavior of a hero who was better than the predators he fought, an unbearable agony clasping in my chest. It was a sickening veil of disgust and self-hatred. I allowed myself to view the event from Marcel's eyes and imbued some feeling into the predator's mindset. The captain was a cruel individual who shocked him for the slightest movements. The days were unending agony with no sense of time or place. He felt his own body withering away and clung to sanity recalling the kindness of his friends. How do you persuade someone who hates you, who has already made up their mind about you? Nothing that was said mattered, or was even brought into consideration. The officers wouldn't allow him to speak, and punished him for deceit after his repeated claims of friendship, for the crime of looking at the glass. His eyes were bashed in and claw. Marcel lost interest in everything and became non-responsive. There was the briefest glimmer of hope 
Seeing his friend Slanek greet him with empathy and care. He thought maybe he could get through to the crew now. The Venlil confirmed all of his claims about humanity, and it was obvious he loved the little guy, or at least didn't want to eat him. But the captain rushed in to execute him, because he hated that someone listened to a predator. Of course, extorting every bit of suffering first and making uncivilized threats, the human saw his life flash before his eyes. He felt afraid and alone. What was his crime but existing? Why was this happening to him? He did all of that, Sovlin. How could you? I screamed. Marcel was never non-compliant or of a predatory disposition. It was just sickening to look at. The tears were flowing freely now. I couldn't live with the knowledge that I inflicted such torment on a sentient creature who came to my ship in peace. By extension, the ensuing war caused the Gojid Union to lose our cradle to the Arxor. All I ever wanted was to save my people. And instead, my actions cost billions of lives. I yanked my sidearm out of its holster and shoved it into my mouth. Someone who had done what I had didn't deserve to live. I felt like I was thinking clearer now than I ever had in my life. Just a few more seconds, knowing what a failure I was. Five. Four. Three. With a detected sigh, I tugged the gun out of my gullet. It would be wrong to leave a mess for my crew to clean up and traumatize another person. Even if I hung myself, someone would stumble across my body. They would live with that image for the rest of their lives. My stubby legs staggered out of the briefing room and navigated to a maintenance airlock. The thought crossed my mind to write an apology as a suicide note. But that just didn't cut it. Staring out to the stars, I knew that I could be free of the skill. The only trace of this would be the data point on the logs. After my disappearance, someone could fill in the blanks with a quiet conjecture. Captain, please, don't do it. Dr. Zahn shouted from behind me, seeing my poor hover over the lever. They can rebuild your whole world. Ending your life is a permanent decision, and you will never contribute anything again. It will taint your legacy, and the Union will be weaker for your loss. I don't care about any of that. Why did you follow me? I growled. Because there is still more to add to your sorry, sir. The Takan raised his paws in a pleading gesture, inching towards me. Even if you don't see it, each day is a gift. It's a chance to do something for someone else. My eyes rolled back as those last words sank in. The doctor didn't realize why he was right, but he was. These final actions were selfish, the coward's way out, because I was too afraid to turn myself over to the predator's custody. What right did I have to deprive Marcel of his revenge? Death was too kind for what I did. Suffering was what I deserved. None of the physical pain could be as awful as what I felt now. It was tough to breathe through oppressive guilt, misery, and regret. I have to go, I snapped. The doctor stiffened. Sir, you're not in your right mind. We're going to the med bay for observation. I shoved past Zahn, speed walking back to the bridge. My gaze met Rumi's, and I gave the comms technician a slight nod. The young Gojit looked flawed to see his captain disheveled and sniffling. My paws moved to him inside, and I tapped a recording button on his console. This is Captain Sovlin speaking. 
I wish to state for the record that Officer Russell conducted himself in accordance with the highest Federation ethical standards. My eyes swept across the chamber, studying my beloved crew for the last time. It is my final wish that he succeeds me as captain of this vessel, and that any charges against him are cleared. I... I'll be turning myself in for the crimes against sentience. That is all. Astonished gasps echoed across the bridge. Zahn looked baffled which crimes against sentience I was referring to. It wasn't my place to persuade him or to fault him for feeding the slanted information. The responsibility for my decisions fell on my shoulders. I didn't want the rest of my crew taken with me. The only honorable thing to do was to turn myself over to the humans and accept my nightmarish fate. I rushed through the corridors to the hangar bay, not wanting to give myself time to chicken out. Whatever the predators did to me was their prerogative, but my expectation was a slow and painful death. There was quick work to board the shuttle, punching in the stellar coordinates for Earth, the predators' breeding grounds, hadn't I called it? A planet that filled my heart with hatred, that I longed to destroy with every fiber of my being, Starlight twisted in the viewpoint, signifying that my final voyage was about to commence. This wasn't the way I thought my military career would end. Very soon, I would know more about the humans than I ever wanted to. My mind was adamant that such penance was merited. End of chapter. Chapter 27 Memory Transcription Subject Slenek Vinol Space Corps Date, standardized human time, October 1st, 2136. Our evacuation party was fortunate to skirt the orbital battle and depart the system with a fair distance between us and the Arxor. The Terran transport unloaded its critically wounded passengers at Vendel Border Outpost, while the rest of the posse tracked on to Earth. I wasn't sure how the predators planned to deal with the terrified alien upon arrival. Marcel had been stabilized by onboard medics. I didn't want to send Nuri to a refugee site run by predators without him. In fact, I got the feeling that he bore no intention of leaving her in a camp at all. Every gojit on the vessel gawked at him yesterday when he launched into a silly song about twinkling stars and put her to sleep. Marcel was the reason I resisted the temptation to disembark in the relative safety of Venlo Station. After every horror that befell him in space, I was uncertain if he'd ever return to the stars. Our separation could be permanent. The last thing I wanted was for our friendship to conclude with me showing fear and disgust towards his species. If someone told me when I signed up for the Human's First Contact program that I would willingly go to their home world, I would have killed over laughing. But I felt guilty over how my instincts ran amok on the Gojid Cradle and how quick I was to fault the predators for things they had no role in. Was my trust in humanity really that conditional? Were my prejudices still alive? The mere sight of Marcel in the doorway had me in shambles at our first meeting. Now I don't think about it when he snarls or picks me up. I don't react to any human's eyes either, not even strangers or crowds. Maybe I've made more progress than I give myself credit for. All sorts of bizarre ideas waltzed through my imagination when I tried to envision Earth. I was the first Ben Lull to visit humanity's home. Not even the bravest scientists or diplomats would venture to the Blue Mob. It was a massive step, which might be far cry from the preconceptions of society. Landing on Terran soil would place me at the whims of their government 
and exposed me to the general populace. It would offer better insight into what an average predator was like, but was that a positive? I was woefully unprepared for what I had seen, mixing in with the UN military units. As the spacecraft touched down, I tried to remind myself that it was too late to back out. This was not the time for second thoughts. My fright would only contribute to the other passengers' panic. Gojid refugees, line up single file and prepare to exit the ship. Anyone who fails to follow directions of UN soldiers will be hit with a tranquilizer dart. For your own safety, a grating voice growled over the PA system. Volunteers are handing out blankets, water and dried fruit. If you require medication or special accommodations, approach the nearest human in a white coat or red cross insignia. You are safe here. Please do not panic. I snorted. Easier said than done. The human statement didn't have the calming effect they desired. There wasn't a single refugee that didn't look petrified. One elderly gojid collapsed with a thud, clutching a chest. The terror generated by this amount of predators could certainly cause a heart attack. Terran medics gestured for everyone to move back and hurried to cart the cardiac victim out. For the gojids on board, it must appear that they were being towed to a predator's lair as a cattle Ferocious-looking soldiers with massive guns were corralling them into the open air. Who would believe the beast's claim that they would return anyone that wished to leave to a Gojid or Federation territory? As soon as they arranged terms with their government. Hi, Slenek, Tyler said hesitantly. The blonde human took a timid reproach, as if worried about frightening me. As traumatic as his table manners were, the big guy's intentions were benevolent. He couldn't help that his taste buds evolved with such a vile proclivity. Like Marcel explained, it was biology that was beyond their control. I was aware that predators consumed meat by definition, and that didn't negate everything I knew about their rich emotions. Humans weren't like the Arxor, hunting living creatures. They cultivated cell samples in a lab. What was so amoral about that, other than the fact that it was appallingly gross? It's on the same level as consuming fecal matter. Don't exactly want to share a table or drink out of the same saucer, but it doesn't have to shape my entire opinion of him. Out of sight, out of mind. Thanks for saving my life, Tyler. Sorry for freaking out back there. I pinned my ears against my head and saw his eyes soften at my scared expression. It was a good idea on paper for me to help humanity communicate with civilians, but I had no idea what I was signing up for. It was a sensory overload. All that death, predation, and aggression. It's cool. I forgot how much you guys hate predators sometimes. I know uh, Marcel doesn't, but uh, how could he? The flesh eater muttered. Following Tyler's sharp gaze, my own eyes landed on the redhead. I couldn't help but notice the looks Marcel shot the gojit adults throughout the ride. Clearly, his own species picked up on it too. This mission wasn't the thrilling revenge jaunt of his dreams. My friend's right limb was stuffed in a sling, while his dominant arm held a spiky child. He was clutching Ludia to his chest, like he expected someone to take her away. His hazel eyes were glazed over as he watched the adult refugee stumble aside. A tear rolled down his cheek, which the young Gojid poked at with a claw. Don't cry, she whispered. Why are you sad? The human poured at his eyes. I I'm not, uh, uh, just tired. The child tilted ahead. But you just slept for hours, Marcel. Marcel, he enunciated, rolling the R with the reverberating growl. You can say it, dear. 
Marcel. Nulia hooked her claws into the corners of his lips and tugged them upwards. I gaped at her bravado, playing with the predator's eating orifice. There's the happy snow. Stay like that. Marcel flashed his teeth with a genuine amusement. He glanced at me, noticing that Tyler and I were both watching with concern. The vegetarian struggled to his feet, limping towards us at the rear of the line. We shuffled to the exit as a pack, and my nerves surged through my veins. Warm sunlight struck my face as I took my first look at humanity's home. The refugee camp was based on a decommissioned airport, judging by its appearance. Various structures had been converted to lodging, and tents dotted the runway. Humans were passing out supplies in what I thought was a former hangar bay. Doctors checked any gojids showing any signs of life-threatening distress. Camera crews were parked on the other side of the chain-link fence. A few predators shouted the word Venlil, trying to get my attention. For better or worse, my image was of the first representative of my species here. I forced myself to straighten and offered the most human-like wave I could master. UN guards manned the perimeter, allowing only cleared personnel through the gates either way. Alarm rocketed through my veins as I spotted a ferocious four-legged predator alongside them. The brown and black beast made the humans look cute and cuddly. It was sure it was serrated fangs could puncture the flesh like pudding. But the primates seemed oblivious. I sniffed the air with twitching nostril and eyed the armed terrans with hungry pupils. I knew they had forward-facing vision, but now they could be the blind to their surroundings. How could the dangerous beast have drawn that close to them unnoticed? My survival instincts leapt into drive. Run, Predator, save yourselves, run, quick! Wait, Marcel can't run. He's going to get picked off first. Him and Nulia are the easy target. The humans need to gun down the Predator before it gets to us. I bolted back to the transport, overcome with the blinding terror. Tyler raced after me, closing the distance with long stripes. He scooped me up despite my shrill, incoherent protests, and walked back to Marcel and the child. There's a lot of Predators here, Slinek, Marcel sighed. What? You've never seen a human before? I thrashed him Tyler's grasp, trying to get him to put me down. My ability to formulate words other than predator or run was greatly diminished. A pitiful squeak escaped from my mouth, and I jabbed a claw at the monstrous quadruped. It was panting and slobbering over the human's boots. Were they just clueless species in the galaxy? Nunia screeched as she spotted the beast, and understanding flashed in Marcel's eyes. He massaged the child's neck, seeing her spines pop up. Why didn't the human seem the least bit afraid? Why didn't he call to the guards to shoot the predator? That's uh, called a dog, Marcel said slowly. We demonesticated them thousands of years ago, which uh, means we trained them to be friendly to humans. Tyler grinned. I, I have one at home. They helped us with hunting back in the old days, but now we keep them to companions My human interjected. Dogs are loyal and obedient to us. They're not sapient, but we have a close bond. The UN guys have the predator situation under control. I watched as a Terran soldier patted the dog on its head, and its tongue lulled out of its mouth. The human fished into his pocket, holding out a cookie. He placed it in his hand, stretching his palm flat as he could, then offered it to the fanged predator. What was the madman doing, trying to lose a limb? The beast sniffed at the offering and wagged its tail. Disbelief filled my chest as it snapped up the morsel seizing the food without nicking the man's hand. 
It barked at the Terrans, who were showering with toddler-esque praise. Did that non-sapient predator understand their words? I can't believe even humans tried to prevent that. Conditioning dogs to be friendly to humans means that they weren't always friendly, I mused. And Tyler keeps one in his residence, like that is normal. How can he sleep with it around? Tyler sensed that I calmed down enough and placed me back on the ground. Was that how human hunting worked? co-opting other predators to do their dirty work. Marcel promised an answer once we were out of danger, but had yet to fulfill his vow. My outburst already drew a lot of unwanted attention, though, so I decided not to say anything now. One human took a brisk strides towards us, flanked by a group of soldiers. The thinning salt and pepper mane and crisp coat with a UN pin looked familiar. Dear stars, it was Secretary General himself. I recognized him from the landing at the outpost. Was his entourage coming to arrest me for inciting panic? Slurnak, isn't it? Welcome to Earth. Elias Mayer leaned in, so close that I could feel his breath inside my ear. The air movement tickled their sensitive hairs, and I resisted the urge to pour at it. Act natural and pose with the cameras for a moment. It'll be bad PR for everyone if they think you're afraid of us. The human official draped an arm across my neck, and I forced myself to not shy away. Why did the predators always have to grab for vital areas? All he'd have to do was to be lock his elbow to constrict my throat. I apologize for the canine presence. The Secretary General spoke the words in a booming voice, and I sensed that he was trying to tell the media that I hadn't freaked out from the humans. The dogs are necessary for security purposes. Security from what? I whispered. Mayer smiled but did not answer. He slipped his arm from my shoulder and gestured for us to follow him. I tailed behind the UN leader on shaky legs, terrified to reverse the checkpoint. Marcel and Tyler lurked at the rear, probably to seal off my escape route if I tried to run. The dog was tethered by a thin rope and closer inspection, but it seemed to be pulling the humans more than anything. Those awful eyes were watching me, its yellowed fangs were the size of my ear. I couldn't stop hyperventilating. A predator like that could smell my fear, couldn't it? What could the Terrans do if it lunged at me? A tinted vehicle was waiting with the door ajar, and Maya flicked a hand towards the car. I didn't need a second invitation to spring into the steel death trap. Marcel and Tyler squished in beside me, while the Secretary General found a seat opposite us. The goaded child was inconsolable after the dog sighting, sobbing into the human's grimy uniform. Maya raised an eyebrow. Where are your parents, kid? They must be worried sick about you. No, they're not, Nudia wailed. I called for my mummy and she never came back. She didn't care if Martial or the bad monsters ate me. Marcel gave her a head a gentle pat. Your mother made a mistake, darling, but because she was really scared. She loved you very much. Tyler nodded. That's right. You're a good kid. Maya's eyes lingered on Nudia for a moment. His thinly veiled displeasure suggested he preferred Goju children weren't roaming his planet. Evidently, he decided it wasn't good PR to force Marcel to leave her behind either. Anyhow, sorry about that mess, Lenek. I had no idea the Venlel was sending visitors. Though, don't misunderstand me, we're thrilled to have you here, the Secretary General said. I'll work out luxurious arrangements for you all. If there's anything you want, just ask. I cuddled up to my human. Thank you, sir. Anything for our galactic neighbors. I'm pleased that you both returned alive, especially with how symbolic your connection has been here on Earth. 
Speaking of which, uh, I have some positive news. Marcel leaned forward. Positive news? Sovlin has been arrested by UN forces. He's been held in clandestine facility for alien POWs and is awaiting trial. My eyes widened while my friend's gaze narrowed. How had the Terrans tracked down the sadistic Gojid? Regardless of their mythology, I was relieved the captain wouldn't get away with his wretched deeds. If the predators executed Sovlin, it would satisfy Marcel's wish for his death. The anger boiling inside him was taking its toll on his kind soul. Take me there, my human growled. I want to see him. Secretary General Meyer exhaled, shaking his head in the negative. That's uh, not a good idea. So what? Pull some strings. I'm not going to do anything drastic, Marcel said. And why would I risk the political fallout if you did attack an alien prisoner in our custody? There is zero benefit to any party, and we aren't prepared to host visitors there regardless. You'll be able to see Sovlin in court. Come on, all I want is a short conversation, Mayor. The red-haired human's expression was pleading, and his eyes searched for the UN's resolute face. I'll go along with whatever media strategy you want in return. You know, I'm important to our propaganda efforts, at home and abroad. The UN leader stared out the window in thought. Was Marcel's claim that he was a trital to the Terran narrative accurate? The Secretary General crossed his arms with a resigned sigh, like he hated his next actions. A hollow pad found his way into his hands, and he began typing out a message. I'm sure I will regret this. I'll let you peek at his cell from outside. You can enter only if Sovlin wants to see you, Mayor rumbled. Understand? Marcel nodded. Yes. My ears pinned back against my head. Those predatory eyes brewed with such deep hatred that it made me squirm. There was no telling whether the human could or would restrain his aggression. Once his tormentor was in his grasping distance, whatever happened, my primary hope was that this confrontation would bring him peace at last. End of chapter. Chapter 28. Memory transcription subject Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, standardized human time, October 2nd, 2136. A harsh buzzing drifted into my ears, rousing me from unconsciousness. I stirred on the thin cot and grunted at the mattress's inflexibility. Terror flooded my mind as I realized where I was. Gravity, this authentic, could only mean that I was on Earth. I had received a military greeting as soon as I neared the Sol system. When I informed them of my name and intent to surrender, the humans ordered me to power off my vessel's engines. A breaching ship jostled my shuttle and pumped a sleeping vapor through the ventilation shafts. The predators weren't taking any chances of trickery or resistance. The accommodations were reasonable, with every basic necessity available. By comparison, the Arxor kept their captives in squalor. A pen designed for five soldiers would be the size of my room's bed. The reptiles had no qualms about piling us on top of each other and degrading our dignity. Water and fruit bowls were sitting on a small table. The drinking liquid wasn't the unsanitary sludge I'd expected from predators. My cell was caged by barred door, but it was spacious enough to walk around. The barrier slid open as the buzzing noise finished, and shoe thuds echoed through the vicinity. I might never see a person that's not a predator again, I realized with a chill. That's very likely. A pudgy Terran male in layered garments entered, studying me with a calculating gaze. My spines felt like they were about to worm their way out of my back. Those eyes were revolting, 
an unyielding assertion of dominance. Was he dissecting me in his mind, or searching for my vulnerable areas? The predator tugged out a metal chair and beckoned me to the table with a finger. I steeled myself for the physical pain I knew was about to occur. Well, I slunk over to the opposing chair on shaking leads. Go on, then. The crown of fading white had hair signified his age, I presumed. He fished a stack of papers out of his briefcase and placed some glass adornment over his eyes. The beast looked like he engorged himself on flesh regularly. How else would he have fattened up like that? Words of insufficient to describe the numbing dread snowboarding in the pit of my stomach. For years, that humans wait until I woke up to start reciprocating the cruelty. I was on the other end of Marcel's plight, cage with a monster with no way out. Hi, Sovlin. My name is Anton Kozlov, and I am your legal counsel, the human said. I cleared my throat. Le legal counsel? Yes. If you are unsatisfied with my service, we can find you another representative, he replied. I... I don't understand. Re representative? Uh, represent me... for what? You're going to be put on trial for your crimes against humanity. Your case has been referred to the International Criminal Court by the UNSC. Uh, that's the United Nations Security Council. My ears could hardly process what they were hearing. Humanity had a proper court system. They relied on evidentiary claims to establish guilt and stable institutions. It all sounded so tame and normal. And United Nations... Since when is the human's government unified? Every soul says that they do nothing but war with each other. First off, su such decorum is uh, uh, undeserved. There is no question that I did what I'm accused of. I stuttered. Why would there even be a hearing? Anton's lips curled down. Everyone has the right to a trial. Presumed innocence until proven guilty. We are a civilized species, with laws... And justice systems, you know. I wish you weren't. Savage retribution would at least alleviate my guilt over my own sadism. The calm professionalism was twisting the knife. The self-proclaimed lawyer had to know he was defending someone who would have killed his whole species in a heartbeat. If I stumbled across him in my domain, I would have tormented him without refrain. Anyhow, let's go over the charges and the facts of the matter. The ICC believes that your case has gravitas enough to fall under their jurisdiction. The Predator passed a packet in front of me, which detailed my crimes in their angular script. While you tortured a single human, it was intended as an attack against our entire species. You're the first alien to face a trial by Terran law, so I'd say that's important enough. Okay. You also bore the intent to genocide civilians, which granted, there is less direct evidence of. If you cannot understand these charges, let me know. We can try to translate them into your language. Though, I cannot vouch for the accuracy. I have a translator. I understand just fine. I lowered my head in shame, despising every word of the sophistication he uttered. How do I confess? I am guilty. I don't wish to dispute the charges. I definitely don't want to see evidence of what I did to Marcel. I wish I could just forget about that beast. Oh, stars, what if he comes to watch the proceedings? You can plead guilty, but I think there is a solid defense in the making, of course. The evidence against you is airtight. The human paused and tapped his fingers to his temple. 
Maybe they tried to use their hands like we use tail signals. With your innate resentment of predators, I think there is a substantial evidence to argue insanity. We can beseech the court for leniency on those grounds. What? That's not what I want. Your predators. You can think of a brutal and agonizing way for a man to die. I uh, beg your pardon? I want my actions repaid. Request the worst imaginable sentence your government can give, please. Something torturous. Anton squinted at me. He poured a glass of water and pushed it towards me with a sigh. The primate must be mocking me by concocting such a defense. There was no psychological excuse for my unattainable hatred. I failed at every opportunity to revert my course, and never used a scrap of logic. The last thing I wanted was the Terran judges to empathize with my perspective. The predators needed to prove themselves to be a little unhinged or vindictive. Maybe they could have some feelings, but they weren't just ordinary, docile people. Prisoners are not tortured on our planet, the human explained. It's explicitly forbidden by our laws. While you are in UN custody, your needs will be cared for. You'll be imprisoned if convicted, likely for a period of 10 to 20 years. My eyes widened. That's it? That's it. Imprisoned where? Like where I am now? Yes. This facility was specially set aside in case we captured any Federation prisoners of war. Make an exception. What kind of predators are you? The lawyer eyed my flailing claws nervously. You need to calm down. I'll be back when you're ready to discuss your case. The predators had a much better grasp of the aggression than I thought. There wasn't a scratch on my physical form, nor had there been a deployment of intimidation tactics. Even screaming at Anton could have evoked a violent reaction I desired. If anything, my antagonization seemed to frighten the old man. If you're just going to dream up excuses, don't come back at all, I growled. I don't need legal counsel. The white-haired human collected his belongings, shaking his head in what I thought was frustration. That refined conversation wasn't at all on par with my expectations. They were supposed to act all sorts of predatory compulsions on me, not confine me under humane conditions to ponder what I had done. This is the worst outcome. They have every chance to return the favor, yet they choose to do better. Listen, if you want to plead guilty, that is your right. Anton paused at the door as he was buzzed out by the guards. But let me test the waters first. See what sort of deal the UN are willing to offer. Why would they offer anything? You're still one of the Federation's most brilliant tacticians. That counts for something. I... Fine. I really don't care anymore. Excellent. Oh, and Sovlin, there is a... Oh, shit. Someone else is here to see. You, you may want to refuse him. Would Capia dare to turn me away? A steaming voice hissed, so throaty that it sounded like a snarl. I have a right to face him. The lawyer hurried out, and a muscular silhouette appeared by the door frame in his place. The new predator was baring his teeth with strained breathing that verged on panting. This must be the interrogator I was waiting for. I curled my claws for the humans to send him in, assuming that they were monitoring the cell somehow. They must not have understood. Do you wish to speak to the visitor? A gruff voice crackled through the speaker. There is no established visiting area at the moment. We can arrange a separate meeting under more defined circumstances, if you wish. I blinked slowly. No need for a pomp and circumstance. Send him in now. The boss creaked out of the way. The human stalked in, with a guard tape behind him. My visitor limped like he was wounded. One arm was placed in a sling. 
and a bandage was tied around his leg. His short hair bore an orange tinge, but it was no more than stubble on his skull. The predator's face was beet red, marred by three long scars that carried a light shade. The pattern of those marks clicked with nagging implements in my head. I gasped in horror and struggled to keep myself still. My eyes turned towards the floor as Marcel shoved his crooked nose inches from my face. Every part of me wanted to hide under the bed. It would be much easier to pretend that he wasn't here. At least I didn't kill him. His skeleton is much healthier, and he's lopped off with the little hair humans have. Stars, he's hideous. Look at me! The Terran roared. I took a shaky breath and gazed into his hazel pupils. The human's expression was contorted, with a coat of water swelling around his pupils. The depth of emotion, when I truly looked, was staggering. Not the soulless abyss I saw them as before. It was a looking-glass to his convicted mind, which was beleaguered by resentment and recollection. Every time I close my eyes, I'm back there. I can't be touched on the neck without thinking of your fecking collar. Marcel's raspy voice sounded choked, and I heard snot bubbling in his nose. He furiously wiped a tear away. I can't look in the mirror without seeing your fecking scars. I am reminded of you by everything. My skin tingled from the feel of his warm breath on my snout. Guilt plagued me, twisting my inside into knots. How could the human return to his society and act civilized after being treated like an animal? Wetness trickled down my own cheek, and my vision grew fuzzy. I could see the truth in his words that the anguish wreaked havoc on his mind daily. Maybe beating the crap out of me or killing me would give him some closure. I don't want to hurt you again, but when you start attacking me, I won't be in control anymore. I suggest you start with the claws or tie up my paws, I croaked. The predator slammed his fist on the table, baring his teeth. All I want is to know why. What have I ever done to you? Why did you do it? Because when I look at you, I see the axle. I'm sorry. You're sorry. Thank you, he spat. You're a piece of crap, you know. A lying sack of crap. I... Uh, how am I lying? Tell me the real reason. You said they took everything from you when you were about to kill me. What did you mean? You don't care. I don't talk about that ever. Don't you owe me that much? I drummed my claws on the chair. If Marcel could derive meaning from that wretched tale, it was something that I had to rehash one more time. Sorrow filled my throat, just reminiscing about it. Oxall shuttle snuck past our defenses, and the reptiles went on the hunt. One of the first places they landed was my neighborhood. The Gojid Armada's efforts failed to stave them off. Therefore, it was my fault that those monsters tormented my family. Unspeakable things were done to only two people I love. I spectated the whole event from a holopad that was dropped on the floor in panic. The awful screams were something I tried and failed to blot out of my mind. The reason I led that famed charge against the Arxor fleet was the paralyzing grief I felt that day. It was meant as suicide, dying in a righteous blaze of glory. Instead, I was saddled with a heroic mantle and consigned to live for nothing more than vengeance. They killed my family, but I was on call to wish my daughter a good night. Happy? It's no excuse. Marcel stepped away at last, pacing by the door. I was surprised he didn't throw the back of my face and try to reopen the wound. Even if humans could feel empathy, 
There was no reason to extend that to me. So the next words about how kind and gentle the predator was rang in my ears. The Venlo staked his life on that belief. This isn't someone who's so cruel and sadistic. This is a good person who is dying on the inside because of you. Indeed, there is no excuse for what you did, the predator decided. But I saw what the Ark saw do. I saw a lot of things I can't begin to describe. Saw how? It's not the same on television. I didn't get shot twice sitting on a couch, Sovlin. I deployed on your cradle, don't you call it? You don't even give your fecking homeworld a proper name. How is it any worse than naming your planet Dirt? Well, fine. On your cradle, I saw Arxor soldiers munching on gorged organs in the middle of the fecking battle. Them plucking people off the streets to God knows what fate. Us racing to evacuate anyone. Sidious wiped off the map and explosions all around us. Marcel's voice quavered with horror, and his eyes stared blankly at the wall. There was a grim sincerity to his testimonial. It would be easy to interpret his anecdote as gloating, but he seemed saddened by the destruction of my homeworld. The humans hadn't wished such a senseless fate upon us. It was us who yearned for a genocide against their race. I chewed my claws with despondency, mourning the infinite loss of the cradle. The question nagging at my mind, whether any humans partook in the flesh consumption, but I bit back that morbid curiosity. I should just let the predator continue uninterrupted. There were children crushed to death by their own parents, left broken in the streets, he recalled. A massacre as far as the eye could see. The stench of death flies buzzing in the air. You all did that to yourselves. Humans would never do that to our kids. A predator speaking as though a stampede was a conscious choice and claiming a moral high ground. This is all so bizarre. The notion of human caring for their young or having any kind of family unit was jarring. To think of them forming attachments felt alien to my brain. Somehow you're the worst of it all, Soblin. I will never escape what you did. I swallowed. So what do we do now? Are you going to kill me? Oh, I dreamed about killing you, tearing you from limb to limb. Marcel pinched the bridge of his crooked nose. But that's not who I am. Not to Nudia, not to Selenek, and not to myself. You don't get to take that away from me. I... I don't understand. Take what away? The predator's lips curled into a snarl, revealing his pointed canines. How I treat a monster, it says a lot about our me than you. I'm proud to be human, and I wake up every morning without feeling like a total piece of crap. Can you say the same? Marcel stalked away with the limping gait and the door clanged open at his behest. The human receded down the corridor, as did the Ewing guard shadowing him. The heavy clops of their feet faded out of earshot. My spines began to settle, left without the company of any predators. That final question resonated through my head. The scarred flesh-eater knew that answer as well as I did. It was my treatment of a perceived abomination that shaped me into one myself, and no, I don't think I ever feel pride or contentment again. The spark that made me sovereign, the brazen officer, was gone for good. When the Terran lawyer returned, I decided to go along with his merciful plots. Humanity treated monsters with dignity for their own sake. And who was I to ruin it for them? End of chapter. Chapter 29. Memory Transcription Subject, Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, standardized human time, October 3rd, 2136. 
Our van cruised along the multi-lane highway, granting me a perfect view of the passing scenery. The road was packed with cars, with light signals governing the traffic flow. The humans were more enterprising and entertainment-driven than I anticipated. Intermittent signs advertised shops, restaurants, hangouts. Dwellings were mostly tucked away on side streets, away from the hustle and bustle of traffic. Earth is not as harrowing as I expected. There's not a single sign of violence or corpses lying around. It's just people going about their lives. We were en route to the refugee camp, per the Terran government's request. Despite the best efforts, humans lack the knowledge of basic biology and necessities. They also have difficulty getting the Gojits to speak to them, for obvious reasons. The predators asked whether I would be willing to provide guidance and assist communication with the more frightened individuals. My attorney noted that there was nothing offered in return, but I was happy to help my people. The few thousands that were left anyway. Anton leaned in. Remember, this is a test to see if you'll cooperate. You need all the goodwill you can get here. Don't do anything stupid. The lawyer looked nervous sitting next to me. Even with the cuffs around my forepaws, an ankle monitor was also strapped to one leg, suppressing my circulation. The predators didn't trust me not to run off. The second, I tasted fresh air. If I intended to flee, why would I have flown the ship into the heart of their territory? There were two UN officers at the front of the vehicle, wearing matching artificial pelts. The primate's skin must be sensitive to light, with how they wore expensive garments all the time. Their eyes barely left me. The constant tracking meant my spines hadn't settled for the hour's long drive. The build-up of fear chemicals was dizzying. I coughed. Uh, God, predators, can, can, can I say something? If I, um, think that my people are b b b being m b mistreated... One of the officers, named Samantha, gave a curt nod. Yes, you may. If you have any ideas for cultural elements that are missing, that's acceptable as well, the other soldier, Carlos, growled. We know nothing of your religious customs. The old anxious habit of chewing at my claws cropped up again. The most popular deity worshipped in our system was the Great Protector, a nature spirit that warded off predators. I never believed in such nonsense myself, judging by how the Arxor terrorized us. There was no one safeguarding our cradle. Probably shouldn't tell literal predators that our higher power is supposed to keep their kind away. I doubt they'd left Gojids exercise patronage to her once they discovered that. My faint curiosity wondered what sorts of beliefs the Terrans were governed by. Carlos's words did imply that they did have religions which must shape their society's morality. Perhaps their gods offers wisdom such as only killing when necessary and giving their quarry swift deaths. They could explain their prey-like conventions on prisoners and warfare. Our van paused by a second gate, where more humans waved into the large paved area. The vehicle parked itself by a hangar bay, and the operator switched off the ignition. The UN soldiers stalked around to open the rear hatch. A dark corner of my mind fed me awful ideas about what condition the Gojid refugees were in. What if the predators lost patience with the more fearful individuals while we were in transit? What if being around this many prey animals at once stirred the human's appetite, even if they didn't want it to? This had to be a massive temptation. What are you waiting for, Sovlin? Samantha waved a hand impatiently. Get a move on it. Anton snaked his fingers around my wrist, steadying me as I stumbled out of the van. The predator's skin was slick and oily. The touch sent a shudder through my veins. 
I tried to use my surroundings to ground myself and forgot about my proximity to the Terran. There were no hints of any pens, suspicions, contraptions, or butchering tools. These appeared like the helpful facility the predators proclaimed it to be. Thousands of gojit were milling about while humans lingered by designated assistance tents. The largest line was at the station labor for locating loved ones. You can't have gotten many people off the planet, I muttered. Why give them hope? Carlos crossed his arms. Such a cynic. If we reunite a handful of friends or family, then it's worth it. The female guard shook her head in disapproval as well. She fished a yellow object out of her pocket and tugged down the outer skin. The soft flesh below had to be from a plant, judging by the lack of eyes, limbs, or blood. Was she offering me food? I wasn't hungry. To my bewilderment, Samantha took a bite out of the clasped vegetation. The seeds of the half-eaten object confirmed that it was a fruit, rather than an animal organ. This predator was chowing down on prey snacks right before my eyes. I thought it might be a curiosity what our food tasted like, but she seemed too bored for it to be interesting. Marcel could have eaten fruit. I thought the only way to feed him was to sacrifice a crew member, I mused, with a guilty pang. Stars, are these humans even predators at all? Samantha's forward-facing eyes locked to me. Why are you looking at me like that? You... you eat plants? I squeaked. Anton nodded. We're omnivores, Sovlin. Humans can eat meat, but that's not the main part of our diet. Um, never. I struggled to pronounce the tonal word, since no equivalent existed in my language. Okay, uh, uh sorry for, for gawking. M maybe just show me something you want me to help with. Carlos steered me towards a large dormitory, palming his chin in thought. This predator had strange green markings across his arm. Was that the sort of customary brand for males in this service? Maybe. It was a way of denoting his kill count or ancestral heritage. The olive-skinned human didn't notice me studying him, which was a relief. The male guard checked that no gojits were watching before pointing to the far end of the bunks. See that group huddling over there? How they seem to be protecting that chap with the beige claws. What about it? I answered. That guy over there has been unresponsive to any of our orders, Samantha chimed in, completely ignoring us. Carlos nodded. Which isn't the issue. Lots of gojits haven't been very cooperative, because they're afraid of or otherwise. But this particular fellow, it's like everyone tries to get him away as quickly as possible. So what, uh, you want uh, me to get this one to listen to you? I can't guarantee I can do that. The predator shook his head. Just find out why they're hiding him. If he's a celebrity, a religious leader, or a politician, I don't know. If he's important to you all, we can give him some special treatment. The Gojin question wasn't anyone I recognized. If I didn't know him, it was unlikely he was famous enough that a large percentage of our people would pick him out. A suspicion flickered in my mind that this one had some sort of disability. Everyone knew the predators practiced the survival of the fittest maximum of nature. The humans had ample emotions, but would they knowingly expend resources on a defective individual? Someone with a permanent handicap wouldn't be helpful for rebuilding our species to the predatory mindset. Surely, they'd want that trait wiped out with the gene pool. Humans probably would think that they're doing us a favor, with how limited our numbers are. They've never understand why we nurse an individual who cannot care for themselves, or can never live a normal life. Uh, I'll check in, I growled. Don't come with me. Nobody will talk to you. Samantha tossed her finished fruit peel into the waste bin. Fine, don't try and run. 
that band on your ankle will tell us where you are. My conscience was torn as I wandered over to the group while I owed the predator animals an immense debt, one that I could never atone for, sacrificing another person's life felt moral. Perhaps I should have just refused to help. If I didn't know anything, I couldn't be used against the poor guy. A gorgeous female watched my approach and pointed a claw at me. Stop! What do you want? I halted in my tracks. Is the young man there all right? Have the predators done something to him? Nothing like that, she muttered. Why should we trust you? You just came with a bunch of their soldiers. We saw you through their checkpoint. I'm a high-ranking Godred officer that was taken prisoner during the war. The words were automatic, as if some other persona jumped behind the wheel. The second they release me, I'm doing what I can to help, under the circumstances. You might know me. My name is Captain Sovlin. Her eyes widened. The Sovlin? It's an honor, sir. Um, I'm Berner. The, the Silent One's Talpin. Nice to meet you. May I, I ask again what the issue is? Tal is deaf. He can't hear any of the Predator's commands, and they're starting to get belligerent. We're trying to guide him, but it's a matter of time before they figure it out. How long do you think he can keep them in the dark? The humans aren't stupid. A few days at most. But every hour we keep our, my brother alive is worth it to me. I studied the deaf Gojit, noticing the confusion plastered across his features. A burning feeling crawling into my throat... The length of Tolpin's lower spine suggested that he had just reached adulthood. This teenager had so much of his life ahead of him, and his family circle would mourn his loss immensely. The UN soldiers were waiting, expecting a full report. Yes, it was a single life to earn the human's favor, and that would be terminated soon anyways. But there were so many fatalities on my conscience, as it were. That count was more than what I could live with. I couldn't let another person die because of me. Not a single one. The Terrans would resent my disobedience, but any threats paled in comparison to a novel source of guilt. I understand. I suggest that you lay low as possible, I said with a soft tone. Take care of yourselves. Talpin waved at me, blissfully ignorant of the dilemma in my mind. I shuffled back towards the predators, while choking sickness clamped down my stomach. Their hideous eyes searched mine for any clues. Carlos barked a question but the translating meaning was lost beneath my swirling thoughts. Zoblin, talk to me, buddy. Anton patted my shoulder, and I flinched in the contact. He looked shaken up. What's the matter? I, I'm so, so, so sorry. Uh, no, 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 no one's in danger, but, but I can't tell you, I whimpered. What do you mean, you can't tell us? The female predator hissed. Your reaction could be drastic. I can't get someone else killed, no matter how b bad I, I feel about Marcel. Just, just throw me back in my cell, okay, P please? She blinked. Uh, nobody's getting killed. Have humans ever displayed violence towards you? Either you trust us to conduct ourselves with kindness and compassion, or you haven't reformed at all. Pick one. I... I don't know. Crap. I don't know. Sovereign, we're trying to help these people. You have my word that no harm will befall any of them, not unless there is a zero alternative. Carlos growled. I squeezed my eyes shut. Feeling empathy was a far cry from altruistic disregard for genealogy. Humans wouldn't be a strong warrior species without making few logical sacrifices. It might stupefy them that we burdened ourselves with so-called debility. Would honor be enough to compel the predators, gods, to spare Talpin? The lawyer jostled my arm again. You're panicking. I can see that. Whatever predator nonsense you all are convinced of, it's dead wrong. We are nothing like the Arxor. Yes, but, but, but he's deaf, I blurted. 
The humans recoiled, all of their expressions seemed stunned, and for their eyebrows shut up towards their hairline. I don't think that possibility even crossed my mind. Why would it? When they would never engage in such an impractical undertaking themselves. Crap, what have I done? You couldn't keep your fat mouth shut and let a teenager live his final days in peace, I prayed to myself. You're a weak-minded, selfish arsehole. Sovereign, you should have spaced yourself back then on your ship. Samantha scratched her head. Was that so hard? I think I can take care of this. The UN guard stalked towards the group, and I tailed behind them in a mute horror. My brain was screaming at them to stop, but I couldn't muster the words. Self-hatred reached the new light. My will to live felt depleted. Were the predators going to take Talpin away from his family, execute him in front of the watching crowd? The female human approached without drawing her weapon and gestured towards the deaf youth. Talpin screeched as he saw the armed predator's attention on him. With bristling spines, he tried to crawl under his bunk. The Goja cluster gaped at me with looks of absolute betrayal. Tears swelled in their eyes. How could you, Sovlin? Berna jumped between the Terrans and her brother, flexing her claws in defiance. I thought you were a hero, a man who would die for our planet. I collapsed to my knees, hugging my chest. I'm so sorry. I... I trusted them. Please, don't kill him, Predators. I'll give you whatever you want. The sister protested. Samantha dropped to one leg. We're not going to hurt anyone. Can he understand me now? She made a series of animated gestures, concurrent with her speech. Talpin watched her with blank stare, trembling. Her clawless fingers curled in strange motions, but they didn't seem random. My misery gave way to confusion as I tried to understand what she was doing. Was she some non-verbal form of communication? That's not hunger or disgust in her eyes, I don't think. Sign language, Carlos explained, spotting my bafflement. It's how deaf people communicate on our planet. Do your translators work on it? No, only audible language. That's why tail signals don't translate, I stammered. The female predator lowered her hands. Damn it. Please tell him we're going to find a way to talk to him. Gojits, ask him for a little patience. Bernard gaped at the UN soldiers. Okay, thank you. My mind was spinning. The humans created an entire gesture language for those who lacked hearing. Did that mean that they created another ailments too? That individuals like Talpin could live normal lives? This suggested the limits of their nurturing went much farther than I imagined. The Arxor would have considered any hindering offspring as prey, lumping it in with the same category as their food. Then again, they abandoned their children days after birth, whereas Marcel spoke of his humans kept contact with their progeny. With their empathic behavior towards our younglings, I couldn't imagine they left their kids to fend for themselves. I don't understand. You speak language for deaf people. But you can hear, I murmured. Samantha raised her shoulders briefly. My brother's death was from birth. Berna's eyes widened. Your parents reared a deficient offspring, reworked their whole lives for it, kept it. What the feck? Of course they kept him, she spat. The goaded French. Sorry, crap. I meant no, no offense. I, I thought you'd care about individual contributions. There are more ways to enhance society than by being the pinnacle of physical perfection. Anton met my gaze, though replying to Berna. It was like he knew my thoughts followed a similar track. One of our greatest astrophysicists was a quadriplegic for decades, fully dependent on the care of others, unable to talk without a speech synthesizer. Brilliant man. I twisted my claws, pondering their words. Though I regretted my behavior towards Marcel, my understanding of humans was limited to the scope of my prior knowledge. 
Zahn had spoken in ghastly detail about their cruelty and malice. Our briefing videos encapsulated those heinous acts and confirmed the unthinkable level of viciousness abiding within them. Even the Terran domain, all I see is compassion. Where is the humanity that the Federation saw? Wouldn't such a brutish nature shine through somewhere? Seeing their redeeming qualities, such as how they were capable of empathy, was a start. However, these primates were nothing at all like any scientist predicted. Predator's entire purpose in the ecosystem was to weed out the weak. They were natural selection itself. You're quite right. Humans are nothing like the Arxel, I admitted. We're not. We want you to help us beat them, Sovereign. But the UN needed to see that you trust us first. A hard glint flashed in Carlos's brown eyes. I'm satisfied that your remorse is genuine. What do you say that we spend a few hours here? Then we talk shop. That translates as am discussing work? Touche. We're drumming up plans to take the fight to the Arxor, and to bring whatever is left of your cradled world back to our hands. Would you be willing to look them over? Perhaps serve alongside us? I realized that, in spite of my visceral reaction to their features, I almost liked these humans. They had a certain charisma. When they articulated their lofty intentions, our cradle world would be little more than rubble now, but its symbolism counted for something. A few thousand gojits might have survived in bunkers, and these strange predators were their last hope. The UN giving me a chance to offset a fraction of the damage I'd caused. That wasn't the sort of offer I could pass up. There is nothing I'd like more. Count me in. End of chapter. Chapter 30. Memory Transcription, Subject Slanik, Venlil Space Corps. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 3rd, 2136. Accompanying Marcel to visit his tormentor was my overarching desire, but persuading the predator proved an impossible task. It baffled me why he believed this confrontation was something he needed to tackle alone. The worry I felt for my human was tremendous. I couldn't imagine how traumatic it was to encounter Soblin with the roles reversed. Beyond that, it was terrifying to be stranded on Earth without him to protect me. Whenever something frightened me, there was this comforting assurance that the vegetarian would fix it. I was beginning to understand that Marcel shielded me from the predatory side of humanity, to the best of his ability. It was there to filter the stimuli around me now. You need to get used to humans on your own, Slanik. Toughen up, I chided myself. That orphan toddler is twice as brave as you. Nudia seemed anxious without her scarred predator. The poor thing must be fearful of being abandoned again. Tyler landed up babysitting duty for the goju child while her guardian was away. The meat eater had finally retired to his room, trying to get both of them some shut eye. As babyish as it would have been, I wish I'd tagged along. Every shadow that danced on the wall seemed like a dog sneaking up at me. There was no chance of getting a wink of sleep, knowing that I was trapped in a land of predators alone. How could any sane species leave their vomit alive? With a frustrated sigh, I jabbed a claw on the remote. It was a bad idea to watch their television without supervision, but the boredom was stirring up the dark side of my imagination regardless. The screen opposite the bed flicked to life, set to news channel by default. A stern-looking female had her intense, predatory eyes fixed on the camera. Never trust a federation, she continued. None of their information about the Predators has been correct. The continued survival of the human race is due to their astonished incompetence, their fundamental lack of curiosity. You, your children, and your loved ones are the vermin to be killed to them. 
These aliens take offense to your existence. Not the Venlil, I yipped, knowing that she couldn't hear me. The UN ambassador and the Venlil governor never returned from the summit where they tried to negotiate with these genocidal maniacs. At this point, we have to presume that Noah Williams has murdered. Maybe it's time to give the feds a dose of the predators they are asking for. Is this why the Oxal turned on them? How were they really treated the first contact? The statement made my blood boil. How could any human argue with the mountain of footage depicting Oxal sadism? It was an undisputed fact that the Federation uplifted those predators, gifting the means to blaze a trail of destruction. Hadn't the Terran soldiers returned with stories of the greys rounding up cattle and snacking on living gojids mid-battle? Surely, no human bought this outrageous line of thinking. This had to be a sensationalist take on the Garner publicity for her broadcast. That, or it was satire. I failed to see the humor, but then again, I always took the literal interpretation of things. Terran comedy could be pretty dark and tasteless from the jokes that I'd heard in my deployment. Nothing excuses cannibalism and genocide to those who will inexplicably take my words out of context. I just don't see a reason to accept the bigot's narrative without any critical thinking. Recent intelligence suggests ship's movement in the Kratakal. The hotel door clicked open without warning, which startled me upright. What if the UN security guards coming to secure my room with a dog? That creature was going to be my nightmare fuel for months. I could vividly picture it ripping off a Venlil limb with a toss of its ugly head. My fear morphed to relief as I saw it was Marcel, who bore an exhausted look in his face. The predator's emotions must be depleted after such a taxing journey. He flopped back first on the bed, allowing the residual tension to ebb from his shoulders. I assaulted him with a hug and ignored the groan as I knocked the wind out of him. Easy, buddy, the human grunted. It's only been a day. I admitted a happy mule as he settled me onto his chest with his uninjured arm. The room's dark environment felt much brighter with my friend to shepherd me. Nothing could harm me when he was around, not even a dog. The human tickled my chin with a low chuckle as I rested my paws atop his stomach. My eyes met his piercing gaze. I was worried sick about you. How did it go? Are you okay? I'm fine. I, uh, I think I'm ready to move forward, he replied. But I don't want to talk about it. Let's talk about something else. All right. Sure. How about what kind of predators humans are? Uh, crap, Slenek. Do we have to discuss that now? It's one in the morning. Yes, we do. You promised. And I think I deserve the truth. It's like you don't trust us, even after all we've been through together. Marcel searched my expression, a mix of concern and affection in his eyes. The human seemed reluctant to answer. His fear of losing me was palpable. From how his fingers tightened around my fur, what could be so sinister that it would alter my view of him after all this time? I trusted him with my life. If my stupid instincts didn't get in the way, I would take the bullet for him. It's complicated, he growled, after several seconds of silence. Humans have employed every predation strategy in the book. Like Tyler said, dogs have helped us. We've set traps, used ambush tactics, fished, raised livestock, yes. I know you hate that word, but you asked. I tilted my head. You said you weren't ambush predators. We're versatile. Anyhow, what people claim we are is one of the oldest hunting strategies known to mankind. It's called persistence hunting. The human paused, as though expecting a dramatic reaction. My blank stare seemed to disappoint him. His lips curved downwards even further. I could tell how much he disliked this topic, but we had already gotten this far. 
Is that persistence hunting phrase supposed to mean something to me? Continue. I don't get it, I pressed. Humans possess a high endurance because of our sweating ability. We can run a lot longer, especially in hot climates we originated in. Marcel closed his eyes, unable to meet my gaze. We were never faster than our prey. We just had more stamina. We chased them until they stopped running. A chill ran down my spine as I processed the meaning of those words. Was he telling me that humans pursued their prey for hours, maybe even days? That they never tired or gave up on pursuit? Such an ordeal meant their quarry had an eternity to contemplate their demise. The victim spent their last day in a desperate, agonized flight. Their terror lasted much longer than a split second of an ambush. My brain began to imagine running from a human, feeling the burning of my muscles in my lungs. The savage predator would draw closer every time I paused to rest or dampened my pace, knowing all the while that the second my legs gave out, my death was a certainty. There was no hope to escape short of confronting the hunter. What an awful way to go. Having your own body betray you and languishing in a pool of chemical exhaustion, the predator would slowly approach, bloodlust in its eyes signifying the end. I thought humans showed mercy. They conducted themselves like reasonable, kind, and feeding people. Not relentless beasts that inflicted torment on the weak. Tears streamed down my face at the thought of my human partaking in that sort of predation. It felt awful to think of him in that regard. If he was born a few thousand years ago, would he have chased helpless creatures through the scorching heat too? Was that what was coded into his instincts? Zlanek! Gosh, you're shaking! Marcel rubbed my ear comfortingly. Say something, please, even if it's that you hate me. Sadness seeped onto his expression, which knocked some sense back into me. It was painful to see how heartbroken he looked. I resisted the urge to swat his hand away and attempted to regain my wits. The predator's honesty was admirable. When he foretold precisely how I would react, I knew in my soul that my human would never dream of harming me. It was time to stop fixating on their heritage as much as anything predatory frightened my instincts. Humanity left their gruesome past behind and had proven themselves more than capable of empathy. My reactions were the product of a stupid, irrational phobia. I wanted to love them fully, without awful thoughts creeping into my head all the time. Okay. Persistence, uh, got it, I stammered. The human blinked. What? I accept you, or, or whatever you are, because I care about you. No matter what. The predator clutched me tighter and restrained his own tears. It was important for Marcel to know that he didn't have to apologize for his existence. After wrestling with wretched self-doubts, my acceptance was essential for his mental welfare. Humans didn't need to alter themselves to prove that they were worthy of our friendship. Thank you, he whispered. Keep it between us, please. I'll get into trouble for telling you. I flicked my ears. Okay, that's an awful form of predation which doesn't exist in our world, so I got why you avoided the subject. But Tava deserves to know. She would still stand by you, I'm certain. I'd hope our governor would take heart, knowing the fruit of our roots have borne. We just do the best with what we have in our tool set. Humans are survivors, whatever it takes. We have the resolve and the dedication. How is that encouraging in any way, Mark? Maybe it will help you realize the lengths that we will go for you. Our Venlo friends. And you'll know that we will hunt the Oxal to the ends of the universe. That there will be nowhere they can hide. 
We'll battle a scourge like that as long as our species survives. Marcel's argument was persuasive enough when he phrased it like that. The Terran pledge to liberate sentient farm worlds and all of their family aspirations felt much more feasible. An arduous war wouldn't daunt humanity like it did for us. I suppose there was another positive for their hunting methodology, in that it wasn't a deceptive art. They had no reason to employ trickery or extend a hand of false friendship. This could be conveyed as a reason to trust humanity if they played their cards right. You should get one of the UN people to, uh, tell me. You'll need to be more tactful with most Venlo. Braving is everything. I pinned my ears against my head, trying to keep the storm of negative emotions at bay. I can think of a way to make your ancestry more palatable. Maybe just say that you can withstand heat better, so that your desert pursuit predators, or shift the focus to your recent cattle practices. Um, I'm not sure a close examination of factory farms is a good idea either. Uh, never mind that. You took that better than I expected by far, Slinek. I want to stop panicking, but I don't know how. My knee-jerk reactions aren't what I really think, once my brain comes around, but sometimes, usually, I can't control it. You deserve a better friend. I ducked my head, feeling shame roll down my spine. Despite my constant efforts, my brain refused to forget that these lumbering primates were predators. My subconscious reminded me at every turn that humans weren't like us, and that they could morph into feral beasts at any second. Marcel did deserve so much better. All that time he wastes comforting me and trying to calm me down. I'm a burden. A loser. Are you kidding? I got paired with the best Vendel. Marcel offered his signature snarl, which was menacing and yet gentle. I wanted to be part of the first contact program so bad. Do you know how many questions we had to answer? Thirty? Fifty? How many? Two hundred plus an in-person interview, a background check, and then a psychological exam. All nine communications were analyzed since first contact. For any red flags, what was your selection process like? I, uh, volunteered? Oh, right. I'm sure there weren't a lot of takers for your position. The redhead human chuckled. There was no guarantee that my partner would get past seeing me. You know, from the stories around the outpost that some people didn't. That was a true statement. Several vandal fainted once the proximity of their pen pals and were taken to the infirmary. A smaller minority abandoned the program altogether due to meeting their Terran counterparts. I remembered how my fear had been almost painful that first day. It was no wonder that the few Venlil found the humans too intimidating for cohabitation. Still, I couldn't imagine how those predators felt being rejected on sight after weeks of chatting. The worst horror story was a Venlil that panicked at humans stepping into her room and leapt into self-defense mode. She grabbed the nearest sharp object, which was a pair of scissors, and plunged it into the Terran's shoulder. Her partner, while wounded, was able to wrestle the blade from her claws. The violence was not returned. The predator did not press charges for some reason, despite Venlo government's offer to prosecute. Meanwhile, Marcel and I shared potato chips on our first day. Not the worst pairing he could have had, I suppose. Anyways, I talked to Lucy, you know, my fiancée, on the ride here. She wants me to come home, but I've gotten used to having you around. Marcel took a deep breath, scratching his stubbly scalp. Uh, maybe it's not the right time to ask her, after what I just told you. No, I'm calm now. Go on. How would you feel about living with us? You can come and go as you please, any time you want to return to Vendel Prime. You don't have to stay. 
but we'll take care of all your expenses whenever you want to be here. I kept it him. The idea of a permanent residence with my human filled my chest with warmth, but Earth was an alien as any world could get. A trial period was all I could commit to, to see how I handled prolonged exposure to a predatory environment. Would the UN, or technically the regional government, be okay with me staying? Uh, I'll think about it. Does that mean that you're going to receive a military discharge? No. But I've requested a transfer home, so I can live planetside. I'll only be involved with the defense of Earth, should that be necessary. And what about Nuria? She needs you more than I do. She'd be devastated if she ends up in a camp alone. Don't be ridiculous. We're going to adopt her. I already spoke with Mayor about the necessary paperwork, and he's going to contact the American State Department. They're starting from scratch on that one, I think. The Gojid child would be elated. I wondered how being raised by predators would impact her development, but I knew she'd grow up in a loving environment. It was obvious the human considered her to be his own daughter and would care for her accordingly. There wasn't more touching a tale than to witness these pursuit hunters rescuing a child of a species that swore to destroy Earth. Sounds like you've got it all sorted out, Marshall, I whispered. Why, you fluffy little shit, the human glowered at me while I feigned ignorance. Don't you dare start that too. I can and will rescind my offer. I wagged my tail. Too late, no take-backs. My family back on Renlil Prime would say that I was suicidal to accept, but the more I thought about his proposition, the more enticing it seemed. Navigating humanity's diplomatic hurdles, helping a predator raise a prey child, and protecting their planet from the harm could be my new calling. Maybe one day, Earth would even feel like my home. At any rate, free rent sounded pretty darn good to my ears. End of chapter I would quickly like to thank the Tier 5 members, Marky, Cam Maxwell, Casper Arnolds, Oakfield, Lord Azrakal, and it's difficult to pronounce. Thank you very much.